everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Fish Bites, the Miami Herald's Miami Marlins podcast. The first one on video this year. I'm Jordan McPherson. He's Andre Fernandez. Dre, how you doing? Now you can see our mugs, ladies and gentlemen. You can talk, see us interacting here. I mean, but I have a nice picture of Times Square back here, but Jordan's background, though. I mean, actually, I think that's uh, that's George Richards' background, though, this right? This is George Richards' background. I have to give the credit to the roommate and, form, and former Miami Herald colleague. Yeah, the two of us are roommates. This is his backdrop in our living room. And I mean, that, that's like, like a the, collector, a collector's dream come true right behind you with all those old baseball cards, I'm, I'm guessing. Yeah, between that and just everything else that we have, I'll give a tour of the room at some point in one of the episodes later on. But yeah, it's we got some pretty good, pretty good collection out in here. I brought a little nugget, which we'll we'll talk more about this and why I'm going to hang on to it next week. But I'm here with my buddy Craig Council, 97 Craig Council, courtesy of my wife who picked this one up a, a while back. As people know, it's the 25th anniversary of the 97 team. More on that next week on some of the stuff we're planning. But say hello to Council, ladies and gentlemen. There, we'll, we'll we'll get into that. I'm looking at that poster, that old Miami Herald edition, right behind it with the big fish. Mm-hmm. is that i don't even know why i can't read it's a little blurry but i can't tell is that the first season yeah that's the 93 preview i believe yeah 93 okay. <laughs> yeah that's what i thought i thought that was the the first uh, with the graphic baseball is here and here we are 30 so 30 years later you know and, and the marlins i mean what they getting into the topic we're going to talk about it felt like they were winning the way they have it i'm not not in 30 years but in it's been a pretty good while since they had a week like they just had. I mean, and, and you you had the front row seat as usual to see it. I mean, what a week for them. I mean, I know it didn't end that great with the loss on Sunday, but overall six and one against a pretty good competition. Yeah, six and one. You got that. Actually, it was you had they went seven and two overall. They started with the loss to the Braves, won seven in a row. The final the two games, winning streak. Yeah, right. yeah, final the final two games against the Braves. They swept the Nationals on the road, and then they took two or three against Seattle. So. To win three, those three series in a row, especially being the Braves on being the Braves in Atlanta, and then beating a very good Seattle team that sort of burst onto the scenes late last year, made that push for the playoffs, mm-hmm. and they just they're continuing to build and they're continuing to be a top team. They're above five hundred team coming in. Marlins took two of three there, and if there are a few things broke their way, if Sandy Alcantara's command was a little bit better. If the offense executes a little more with the runners in scoring position, we'll talk about that a pretty good amount later on. But for them to go seven in a row, first time they've done that since their, I believe since they won nine in a row back in 2008, mm-hmm. uh, that's a pretty good accomplishment for this club, especially since we've been talking since spring training about how important this is to for them to be in win-now mode to – not just talk about seeing the runs coming, but actually making the runs happen. Like Don Mattingly has been saying, to find that time to win 8 out of 10, to win 12 out of 15. They finally put one of those runs together by getting seven in a row, and they might have a chance to tack on a little more when Diamondbacks to close out the homestand here, and then a week on the road against San Diego and another three games against Arizona. They have yeah. a chance to really start piling on, which is what we talked about last week going seven and eight in that first 15 game stretch and then trying to make the most of that next 15. They've already started to do so. Right. I was going to say like just the one loss. I mean, maybe by the time people see and hear this, you know, maybe two, but even then it doesn't necessarily mean the runs over if they can continue to, to consistently get these kind of wins. And yeah, I mean, the, the start was great and it started with their strength. I mean, we've said it they're the starting rotation, but 
to take it up a notch and go 6 and 0 279 ERA holding opponents to one run or less in five out of those seven starts i mean they stepped up and the 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 good part for them was to see it happen not just from the guys you expect to have performances like that but a guy like you know Eliezer Hernandez gave up multiple runs here and there but not too bad but i think when you look at Luzardo and Jesus Luzardo and what he's been able to do, we talked about it in the preseason, being that key guy on the back end, that was big. That was big to see, especially in the Seattle series, again, to have another quality start like that. It just shows you how it lengthens that rotation and gets everything there. And really, we've we've taken, we, we've had plenty of discussion about the bullpen and what a question mark we, we thought it was going to be and all of that. And granted, it's not the entire season, but for right now, they are making it work, and those guys collectively were able to come together and do a good job. I mean, you know, we saw Bender come through and, and get all four, convert all four of his chances. The acquisitions right before the season, and Cole Sulser, Tanner Scott did well. And even Lewis Head was able to, to knock one out for them. So, I mean, when you look at that, that's what they need. That's what they, that's really what they need until they kind of settle on maybe who the back end is, or who, who the closer will, like maybe if they settle on one guy. But for now, those are the kind of contributions that they need to have in order to make it work to back up those quality starts. Yeah, and they're doing all that with on the bullpen side without Dylan Floro, who's just who's just getting right. close to finally getting back. Remember, he was the guy who cl- finished last season as their closer, was expected to be the guy, and then spring training just never fully got to where he needed to be. He's been doing some rehab assignments. He just finished a back-to-back Saturday and Sunday up in Jacksonville. And I think that was really the last key that the Marlins wanted to see before bringing him back up. Whether he comes up during the, the end of this homestand or they bring him back to start the trip to San Diego, it'll be interesting to see what happens then because now you have between Dylan Floro, Anthony Bender, Cole Solzer, Tanner Scott, uh, Anthony Bass as well, who hasn't done the closer spot that has been high leverage. And then you throw in the, the guys like Lewis Head and Stephen Oker. Basically, your entire bullpen is guys who – they don't mind or have no problem with putting in high leverage situations, which is going right. to be key, especially now that we're at the point of the season where the roster's getting trimmed down. They have to go down from 28 to 26. And now if you're at the point where it doesn't matter, you can basically pick a name out of the half for them for the bullpen and go, yeah, we're using this guy and be like, okay, we're fine with this. That's going to work in their favor. Obviously it would be ideal for them to have somebody to be that guy, especially if, come late June, late July, that they're still in contention and they're able to swing a move to get someone who could be that high leverage guy. Definitely. But for the time being, what they're doing is working. They converted seven straight, seven saves over that seven game win streak. And they're able to put together what they need to do. Even if it did get scary at times where things got close. Again, I look at the Atlanta game on Sunday where they're up by four. And then next thing, you know, I hit here a, blue pick here, a three-run home run, and next thing you know, you're down, it's down to a one-run game. And we've seen how those have played out before. But mm-hmm. to shift from the bullpen back to the rotation, Jesus Lazaro, as you mentioned, uh, removed the one game against St. Louis where he gave up five runs, four earned over four and third. He gave, he's given up one earned run each of his other three starts and made it through six against Seattle. And again, that's a very good Seattle lineup. He has 28 strikeouts over 20 in the third innings. Opponents are only hitting 178 against him. But as good as he is, and as much we talk about Sandy as the ace, Pablo freaking Lopez, man. Pablo freaking Lopez. 
Well, I knew we were going to get to a. I knew we were going to get to a lot of Pablo, but that's why I kind of started with with Jesus first exactly. because I was like, the fact that he's doing it on the back end. But yes, yeah. I mean, go on. Yeah, no, I mean, he only has a zero point three nine ERA through four starts, the best in Marlins history, and the best in Major League Baseball as of the time of this recording. And it's been fun to watch him take off like he has. But we've always known how good Pablo can be when he's healthy and that's yeah. going to be the key word that i will continue to stress every single time that we talked about him and hopefully we're still talking about him in the second half of the season because he's always put up great numbers i mean even if you look back to last year when he was just about a three ra through the all-star break and then we didn't see him until he threw an inning or two in that final game because he had a shoulder injury which has been the theme in 2018 and 2019 and last year 2020 obviously was the shortened season. He was able to get through all that. But if Pablo can stay the course and give the Marlins potentially a second ace and just further reaffirm that spot in the rotation, and then you have Lazardo on the back end, and you go basically Lazardo at the five, then you flip back to Sandy and Pablo at the one-two, and then you've got Trevor, and then whether Eliezer stays in that spot or if when if slash when Edward Cabrera is finally ready or Max Meyer, who we're going to talk about later, a little bit later on, when you have that fifth spot and you have options to look through, it's a good spot to be in. Yeah, definitely is. I mean, the way he – I mean, yes, we know he can be good, but this is like another level of good that he's hitting right now, which is interesting to see. That changeup is working right now. The way he's mixing, the way he's locating, it is – let me tell you, it is some serious stuff right now, and I think, you know – we're we're sort of recording this a tad earlier than we normally do, but fans are going to be treated to that gem on on Monday night where it's him against Zach Gallen. I mean, and right now two guys under one in terms of ERA. I mean, I know it's early in the season, but that's a treat, and it's the first time former Marlin and Zach Gallen is uh, is pitching against them. So that's gonna that'll have been a, a, something interesting as well. But overall, I think. What what Pablo's able to do, like you said, I mean, I'll, I worried too because you don't. Yes, it's not. You know, you always hear Tommy John, and that's feared as the worst one. And obviously, it's a bat, it's an injury that takes some time to get over. But shoulder injuries are not good either, and in general. And we've seen what it's done to pitchers in the past. And and for the fact that that Pablo has been able to to come back strong from that, if he can stay durable, that's huge. Because again, like you were talking about, all the reasons you talked about, just from top to bottom in that rotation. What he's doing right now, he's pitching like the ace even more right mm -hmm. now. And that's just that's just that much better when you're in a division that, where you have a team right now like the Mets, which is which so far is also, you know, kicking butt in the in the NL East. And why? Because of the depth of starting pitching is a big part of it. So that's you need those horses to to hang in the long run. And, and that's gonna be interesting to see if the Marlins can keep doing that. Yeah, and the Mets, as you mentioned, they're doing it without some guy named Jacob Degrom either. They they're gonna have him back. At some Not point even their too. main guy, exactly. Not even their main guy. So imagine when they get to that point. I mean, that's that's the thing. So when you look at down the road, all those head-to-head -head matchups, both Pablo and Sandy, they're both gonna be going up against those guys, and those performances are gonna have to be there or at least close. Yeah, and then just one more number that I just want to mention on Pablo specifically with the changeup: forty-six point nine percent swing and miss rate. Yeah, almost I mean. every other swing against that pitch does yeah. not make contact. Yeah, no, and it's, he's locating his fastball well, and he's got ten strikeouts off of that this year so far. I mean, it 
he's mixing in the cutter pretty well. Doesn't use it as much, but here and there, it, uses it, it just enough. Solid, yeah. just enough to like throw guys off and 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 really just again the weak contact too. When t- when guys do make contact, if you look at it, I mean that's kind of been his mo throughout his career, but it's right there at the high standard that he wants it to be at so far this year too. Yeah, and as much as we talk about the pitching, the offense is still something we need to address. Obviously, they had some bright spots during this win streak. Outscored opponents 35 to 23, averaged about five runs a game during a time when offense really has been down all across baseball. And mm-hmm. the Marlins are, over, are producing above what they did last year, which obviously was the goal, especially with the big hairs that they brought in between Avisel Garcia, Jorge Soler, Joey Wendell, Jacob Stallings, and then just the other guys, Brian Anderson being healthy, Jesus Aguilar getting on base. But there are still some spots where there's improvement to be made. The biggest, which we talked about last week, runners in scoring position. The Marlins, over the seven-game win streak, 20 for 74 with runners in scoring position. Better than what they were heading in, but still only 270, which can be a lot better considering how often they've had guys on base. I mean, they had a 354 on base percentage during the seven-game win streak. Over the season, heading into the time that we started talking, started with the podcast, 325 on base percentage. They have the eighth highest OBP in baseball, but they're only 22nd in runners in, with runners in scoring position and batting average. If yeah. they can just bump that up, even if that 223 turned into a 253 or a 260, with just the amount of opportunities that they have, just by the sheer number, that's just going to bring that offense, bring that run the run score total up even more, even if it's still in the bottom half of the league for average by just having more opportunities than other other teams by just simply drawing walks or getting the hits, it it will help out if they're able to just find enough to get one or two more key hits and key spots during games. And and then that could come with time. I mean, this could just be the beginning of that. I mean, you know, it's not going to be perfect all the time, but obviously – you, once these guys, the new acquisitions, like you said, I mean, that's the one thing that's impressed me is a lot for a lot of spots. Those guys have come through and have been able to hit in those spots and talking and speaking of Brian Anderson looked a lot better this week Definitely. because I remember the first few games I felt it, it felt bad for him because he kind of looked, I mean, I know he wasn't playing consistently at the very beginning, but he looked kind of lost out there. Not just not great at the plate as far as just the, just seeing the ball. Well, now he looks like he's more settled in. Now he looks like he's making better contact. A little more consistency there. And if he gets going, again, combo that with everyone you just mentioned, and that's where you could see them string you know, some hits together in those moments or come through in those big spots like you're talking about. And then that'll just have that spiral effect to just make the offense that much better and, and all the benefits that you look for to back up that pitching. Yeah, no, I'm glad you mentioned Anderson specifically because – when he hit his home run, I looked up just what he was doing. Because, again, he's not in every day. He started – I believe he started 16 of 21 games now. But, again, you when you see, especially at the start when he wasn't in as much, now he's also balancing playing third base and also spots and times in the corner outfield to give Avisel yeah. Garcia or Jorge Soler either a full day off or let them move to the DH and give Gary Cooper or Aguilar a day off. In between balancing all three defensive spots, he's now – under the radar quietly, he's safely reached base in 13 straight games. He's yeah. hitting, it's 12 for 39 with four doubles, the home run he hit to break up the shutout on Sunday. He's run 10 walks in that span too. Mm-hmm. And also, Jesus Aguilar also quietly is on either, I think it's a 14-game on-base streak as well. So you're seeing these guys, well, the power isn't there. You're not getting the extra base hits, but they're getting on base. 
And right. sometimes that's really all you need. You just need get the single, get the on, get the get on base, and give the threat of potentially being able to score. And that right. could change. That could change things almost as much as a home run on at certain situations. Yeah, it's going to create more of those opportunities. And like you said, I mean, eventually, yes, the the their their runners in scoring position, you know, their batting in that situation has to get better. But the more opportunities you create, the better it can be. I mean, no doubt about it. So I mean, that it all is going to have a carryover effect together. And and the 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 walks part, that's and and that's what I meant before. It just it just looks like he's seeing the ball better looks more comfortable at the plate, kind of like he used to than, than before. And, yeah, kudos to him because now when you're looking at him in the field, I mean, that was the thing coming in. We knew he was going to get moved around a little bit, but it feels like even more so, and credit to him because some of that you can prepare for in the offseason, but sometimes if you don't really know, that's tough to kind of pick up on the fly. So he's been able to do that. So that, And that's just going to make it that make him that much more valuable throughout the year to what they're hoping to accomplish. Definitely. And just to quickly wrap up again, we touched on Arizona coming in for the three game series to end this homestand. Uh, again, Gallon versus Pablo Lopez game one to be announced who always has a fantastic game one way or the other. <laughs> you're that, you're that Twitter joke. Yeah. That TBA <laughs> again, you've got to have, you have to have some fun, especially yeah. at the, end of the season uh, TBA against uh, Trevor Rogers and then Madison Bumgarner against Eliezer Hernandez to cap the homestand. And then they go, Back to the West Coast, which means second trip on the West Coast in a month for me. I'm not complaining one bit there. You got uh, four which, days in San Diego. You better not be complaining. Damn right, I'm not complaining about that. I got four days in San Diego, and then Absolutely. and then three days in Phoenix to wrap up a stretch of 16 games in 16 days. Which again is another thing with just to quickly go back with the depth of the lineup, being able to give guys days off and rotate guys around, which. I only did a good bit over during the time in Washington and the first year in the series against Seattle, just trying to find, I think he's ideally trying to get everybody at least one or two full days off throughout this. So it's, so you're not just burning guys out, burning guys out this early in the season, especially with this being the first of, I think two or three separate stretches where they go 10, 11, 12 plus days in a row, which again, and having the body to do it now, this is only going to help them. Right. And and Mattingly's always been, that's always kind of been his thing right throughout the time he's been manager. He's always good with telling guys when they're going to have their days of rest and that sort of thing. But it's interesting more now with the change now with the DH, mm-hmm. just the way that he's rotating that part of it and being able to kind of fit those pieces on certain days with certain guys and then keep them rested. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. And then hopefully jazz, you know, will be back. I know he had the stomach uh, issue today, uh, today meaning Sunday mm-hmm. and couldn't get, you know, couldn't play, but, well, he didn't start. He did him. come in. He did come in and pinch it. He or got, didn't start. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, dealing with that held him back a little bit. But hopefully, consistency-wise, you know, keeps getting in there and keep getting his at bats because obviously that's big. Ever since, especially ever since they moved him to the top, which again, a needed move. I thought me and a few other people we know mm-hmm. kept kept hoping for that, and finally it happened. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. 
Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yep, and now to transition to our weekly minor league segment of the podcast. Had a couple pitchers that that are very highly talented in this organization finally had some breakout games. Uh, Max Meyer, we'll start with him. He's been great all year in AAA, but finally he did what I was hoping to see, and he was able to get into the seventh inning. Pitched six and two-thirds innings for Jacksonville. AAA Jacksonville gave up one run on six hits, one walk, six Ks. It's and Honestly, I didn't even realize it. I thought he went seven once last year. Six and two-thirds, his longest outing in pro ball, period. He only went. He never went longer than six last year when he was in Double A, and as long as this year was five and two thirds. So to finally see him getting deeper into a game and seeing that he can handle a lineup three times through, or at least get into the third the lineup the third time through, that's been my biggest thing that I want to see from him. As I mean, we know the numbers are going to be good regardless in Triple A, but that's the main uh, facet of his game. I want to see him handling how he adjusts after facing players more than once, more than twice in a given outing. And he responded well his first time being able to do that. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see because I think if he, if he can show that he can do that, you know, maybe over the next couple starts, you know, what, at what point does the big league club say, Hey, might be ready for a shot. You know what I mean? I'm not saying right now, maybe not in the next week or two, like let him, let him prove he can do that consistently or something close to that consistently but it's not that far away i mean i think i think it's not that far away honestly where you might get into around maybe the early part of the you know maybe even next month who knows or later this or i don't i don't know about later this month yet let's see how he does maybe if he gets another quality start or two but i mean it could be max meyer time sooner than later at, at the big league level and that'd be yet another interesting component that you could drop in there and See how that works out. At least get it. At least get him to break in and and experience what major league, you know, facing some major league lineups is like. Yep, definitely. And then the other pitcher, nineteen-year-old Yuri Perez, after three rocky outings, I guess would be the best way to describe it to start his Double A career. Uh, looked pretty darn good on Friday. Five innings, yep. one hit, twelve strikeouts. That plays. That yeah. plays. Yeah, he's one of the most intriguing stories throughout the minor league season this year. Like, if you're gonna watch, if you're gonna watch one pitcher, he's the one to pick, I think, and in, in his entire system. And, and it was good to see, like you said, because you know, this is again, he's 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 facing older competition, so it's it's one of those things where it's just the reps, at getting acclimated, the whole chess match, you know, like just the, just the learning how to deal with hitters, adjusting, all that, all that goes into that development phase. For him, so that's a good building block. That's something he can he can take and roll with, and just add little by little to his arsenal as he continues to tweak and you know refine his pitches, etc. All that stuff, and it'll be fun to watch him this season because you know this is again this is a guy who could fast track, you know, through if he if he stays durable and he keeps developing. I mean, he's only nineteen, so I mean, if 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 that secondary stuff keeps coming along and 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 the tools play, I mean. We could it could be one of those prospects that gets up 
at a really young age I, by the time by the time that opportunity finally comes around definitely and to round out some stuff gonna give some quick hits on some offensive guys uh jj bladay numbers still aren't where the marlins would probably want it to be but he has hits in eight of his last 10 games which after starting with a 146 batting average to see some consistency and start to see some things on 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 a stretch like this eight yeah hits in eight of his last 10 uh two doubles and two home runs in that in that stretch uh mm-hmm. and both the home runs were first pitch amb- and first pitch ambushes when i started looking through the fit when i started looking back through everything uh again only it was only 237 average in that stretch but it's still seeing him get hits on consecutive days consecutive basis and getting on base again you want to see some more from him especially as we get into this is his fourth year with the marlins third year of pro ball because of the 2020 year but again we're yeah. getting to the point where we want to see a little more as he gets closer especially in triple a as he we try yeah. to figure out when the call is going to come and he's going to need to show it still uh, a yeah. few other yeah, yeah a few other guys really quick uh lewin diaz up to 20 RBI in AAA, hitting opposite field home run Sunday. couple under-the-radar guys. Uh, Charles LeBlanc, who was that top guy that they got in the minor league portion of the Rule 5 draft this offseason. He's hitting 387 with an 1133 OPS in AAA. Six home runs, four doubles, 18 ribbies, 12 runs scored in 20 games. And fun fact, if you look at his minor league bio, it basically looks like Bryce Harper from eight to nine years ago. Bryce Harper had the beard and was basically just about was still a youngin. So that was the first observation I had when I had to write the quick write up on the guy and Lorenzo Quintana, a guy who had a non roster spring training. Go ahead. He's, he's dressed up like Bryce Harper. And for at least one week, he was kind of hitting like Bryce Harper. But there you go. How far does that go beyond that? We'll exactly. Find out. Exactly. Uh, hmm. Lorenzo Quintana. He was a, Catcher, he's a catcher DH. He was with the Marlins as a NRI in spring training. I believe they got him from the Astros in a very minor deal last year. Nine ninety one OPS in AAA, and again he looked he looked pretty good in the little bit I got to see from spring. And again, it's a good depth piece. And yeah, I'll leave it at that for him. And then uh, Brian Hoeing, who we've talked about a couple times before, just got moved into Marlins top thirty per MLB pipeline. Through another seven shutout innings with eight strikeouts and 0.35 ERA through four starts in Double A, so he's he's making a nice pair with Yuri in that rotation up there. Yeah, that's good to see. Obviously, you know, yet another option that they can look at as they continue to develop at that Double A spot. I mean, a guy who's rising through the system, and you know, we'll see. Those guys sometimes, every once in a while, you have a surprise that that comes through and maybe maybe breaks through and makes it to the major leagues. We'll see. I mean. Circling back to Blade, I think that's going to be just this is this season is going to be like that. It's just going to kind of be for the next few months. You know, how consistent can he be? Is this sustainable? Like, is this something where he he finally picks it up and and not so much the numbers, but just the consistency as far as making contact, getting on base, all of that things. Can he get to that point and let the power continue to play? And not that was and I like the fact that you saw that it was you know, those first put pitch ambushes, but you want to see him also do that when it's, you know, he has to work through like extended counts, that sort of thing. So it'll just be gradual. And then it'll, it'll either be, he needs more work still, or he does it to a point where we'll see maybe toward, maybe at the end, toward the end, later in the season, maybe end of the summer, the sort of thing where 
does he get the call up finally? And then we'll see some of him, you know, up at the big league club. But I think that's where we're headed with him for now. And yeah. beyond that, I mean, Lewin Diaz, we've seen Lewin Diaz. It's what, again, it's one of those where, you know, he's not in the majors right now, but you kind of can't wait to see when he finally does and when you can finally get a consistent spot. Yeah. And you know that he's basically one move away from. So right. one one incident incident happening from him being up there, right? That, but that's what I mean, and and like we've seen bits and pieces of it, but it's it's exciting to see. It's exciting thinking when he finally does what he could be for them at that spot. Definitely, and that's gonna wrap it up for a quicker than usual episode of Fish Bites for this week. Uh, we'll be back again next week. I'll be either in San Diego or Phoenix when we converse, and we'll have. A lot more to talk about. So thanks so much for tuning in and we'll be back again next week. See you.